this selections. <laughs> my friends called me. They said the the stuff that I resume is the best. Yeah. Oh, we're oh, live. Welcome hey. to the WAN Show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a fantastic show lined up for y'all today with a bunch of great topics, starting, of course, with why it is that at exactly whenever I start WAN Show on a Friday afternoon, Google Docs decides it is the perfect time to log me out so I can't see any of my show notes. Luke, why don't you go ahead and start us off with a couple of the big topics for today while I sign back in. Yeah, well, uh, NVIDIA is entering the CPU and laptop business in a move that some people kind of smelt coming, but but we're not 100% sure on. Microsoft's acquisition streak continues, uh, even amongst all the rumors that an an actual that happened was that they bought Nuance for almost $20 billion. Microsoft seems to be very excited by things that are around the $20 billion mark. Yeah, that's, reason. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's affordable, but not ostentatious. You know, it's like, or well, it's kind of the same thing. It's whatever. The point <laughs> is it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's worth buying, but not too expensive, you know? Just throwing money all over the place. We're also and- announcing that Linus Media Group has officially entered the Apple content game that's right we've got a new channel and i'll be giving you guys the rundown on how that whole thing works and finally ios users will be losing access to discord servers labeled not safe for work like what the wait oh hold on are ios users going to be able to listen to that i mean i bleeped it is that okay Am it's I allowed not, it's not through Discord. It's not through Discord. It? You're fine. You're fine. Okay. You're as fine. long as it's not on Discord, then I can say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just checking. I'm just checking, making sure that that's okay with Daddy Cook. Dude, they should just they should just ban browsers. There's but, not safe for work content on browsers. Wait. Oh no. Oh. There's also user generated content. They're on gonna browsers. have to ban that's Safari. Can't... Okay. Yeah. We, hold on. We're gonna roll the intro <laughs> before before we get turned off. Here. Here. Go. 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 And the show is brought to y'all today by, uh, oh shoot, I forgot. Uh, Definitely Squarespace. I remember that one off the top of my head. And also Phantom Wallets and Pulseway. We're going to have a fantastic show for you guys. Why don't we go straight into the headline topic, which is naturally the brand new channel from Linus Media Group. Now, I know what you guys are going to say. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. The criticism is going to be, Linus, how can we possibly expect you to cover Apple fairly because you are clearly biased against Apple? Um, Okay, that's what some people are going to say. And then there's going to be a whole bunch of other people that say, Linus, you're the biggest Apple fanboy ever. LTT is basically already an Apple channel. So he, he can't be the biggest Apple fanboy ever because he opened the channel with the first video on a Mac-focused channel criticizing Apple. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's criticism. Okay, so hold on a second. You're, hold on, you're getting, you're getting ahead of it here. First, we've got the, what the community is going to say, okay? So you're going to have the people that say, I can't do it because I hate Apple. And then you're going to have the people who say, I can't do it because I love Apple too much. Which, by the way, for those of you who are on either side, yes, in fact, the people on the other side do exist because fanboys, as soon as they hear one thing, it's kind of like, uh, 
what is it like birds that get imprinted or whatever like the first thing they see is their mother or something like that oh yeah, there's so, some that yeah so basically immediately like like rabid android fanboys they'll see me pull an iphone out of my pocket and record some video or whatever and they're like oh disgusting disgusting she's a sheep he's a lost cause or you know when i happen oh. to give the iphone 6s my like product of the year award and 2016 or 2017 or whenever that was like no oh, it's disgusting he's the worst person ever um and then people will see me daily drive a note nine and they'll be like first what the f are you doing you can have any phone you want why are you yeah. using a three-year-old phone and then second they'll be like oh he hates apple he hates apple too much um so you know i don't i don't hate apple i don't love apple to me they are a manufacturer of products and they're just kind of nothing more or less than that to me uh the things that i do find frustrating about apple are that i think as a as a as a company their culture is one of arrogance and um pretension uh, I think that there's a lot of others like them. I think there's a, a lot of companies that behave in a lot of the same ways, but Apple manages to be extremely far up their own butts about how great they are and how much better what they're doing is when a lot of the time their actions don't really match up with their words. So we've got a video coming up on right to repair and whether it's right or not, we do end up focusing a fair bit on Apple's double talk when it comes to their concerns about the environment and their behavior when it comes to yeah. taking care of consumers, especially regarding right to repair. Not because Apple's the only one who behaves inappropriately, but because the hypocrisy is so poignant with Apple in particular. So how then is it, coming back to my original question, that I could possibly be trusted to be the face of an Apple focused news and product review and rumors channel? The answer is, I clearly can't, which is why we hired somebody else. Yeah, he's not, yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, show you guys what the very first video on Mac address looks like. Can I just, can I just take a moment and uh, give myself a kudos for the name of this channel? You I, liked it more than, than, what was it, Apple Talk or whatever? So Apple Talk is already a podcast because we waited 10 years after originally coming up with the idea to actually doing it, do anything with it. <laughs> and it might have even existed at the time. Like, I, I don't actually know. Um, so Mac Address is... So whoops, hold on a second. So Mac Address is um, something that still manages to speak nerdy to me a little bit, you know? Um, but I think it also has a really clear double meaning. Mac address is the place to go for Mac, right? So yeah, I think it's I think it's cute. it addresses Mac. So this is Jonathan Horst. He actually we ha I had a lot of people posting comments and tweets and all kinds of stuff like that, getting in touch with us, saying, you know, hey, uh, sorry, who is this guy exactly? He is, he actually, oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk out of turn too much about him, but uh, maybe we'll have him on the WAN show or something to introduce himself. Or you guys can subscribe to the channel, uh, youtube.com slash Mac address. I think we've claimed that. Hold on. Ooh. You know what you guys should do? Yeah. I mean, uh, Mac address is on Floatplane. So uh, if, you, if you subscribe to LTT, you can see Mac address stuff on Floatplane. So you could do a, a meet the team. We could totally do meet the team. Yes. We should do that. We've got lots of great behind the scenes on Floatplane lately. But yeah, youtube.com slash Mac address. Go subscribe. You'll get to know him. But basically, he didn't have any kind of online um, sort of tech video making experience. Uh, we just sourced him 
uh, through like uh, it sourced him. Uh, sounds so corporate. We we met him through like a more uh, honestly a more corporate type of recruitment strategy. We just like posted a job posting, and he just happened to be an exemplary uh, candidate, and we we absolutely loved him. So we hired him, brought him in. He has such a passion for Apple, and in ways that. You know how I was I was kind of joking in a in a certain way about how I'm like not qualified to talk about Apple. I know I know enough to make a video about an Apple product or an Apple business decision or whatever if it comes to it. But he considers Apple in a way that I think is more similar to how Apple users consider Apple. Like one of the things that he talked about during his interview that I thought was I mean to me kind of funny because like who gives a shit? but really, really important to that crowd was he was talking about the way that Apple's um, design language has shifted in terms of um, the way that iOS icons look like over the years and how it used to be, I don't know, he used some sort of $40 word that I, I can't remember, but probably comes up in art school once in a while if you're into that sort of thing. And then he was like, yeah, and they don't really do that anymore. Everything's like too flat now. And, you know, but then also they're kind of going back to this in like this way and that way. And like, you know, the way they do like change color schemes here and there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. You are totally speaking a language that like when I would review, like when I'd review an iPhone, I'd be like, yeah. So like, you know, back in, back in the day, right? Like browser, browser page load times and, you know, stuff like that, stuff that was actually meaningful to me. And there'd be all this stuff that would be in everyone else's coverage. It's like, yeah, and they and they change the color of the shade when you drag it down, and they change this, and they change. It. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like that <laughs> I didn't makes notice that at all. Literally, no. I wouldn't notice in a thousand years. Like if you gave me like a a bunch of uh, if you gave me two iOS devices or the same iOS device running like iOS seven and iOS thirteen or something like that, I'd be like, yeah, these look totally different. But if you just gave me any two back to back, other than maybe when they changed um, like the camera app from like the old one that was like fo a photo booth or like an old style camera. I forget what it used to look like, but it's like really different. Um, you know, if you gave me like those two, I'd probably notice it. But most of the time, it's just not the kind of thing that jumps out to me. So Jonathan- I find with Apple, there, yeah. there was a, sorry to interject really yeah. quick. In terms of Apple design though, I watched a video relatively recently. I don't even remember what the core topic was, but one of the concepts that they brought up was talking about old car manufacturing and how like Ford's original vision was like, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. And like every car that they sold was supposed to last yeah. for like a super long time and it's yeah. supposed to be super generic. So it was really easy to repair and all this kind of stuff. And then I don't remember which, but a competing car manufacturer hired a new director or whatever. And they went in a new direction. That new direction was coming out with a new set of colors every year. Yeah. And slightly changing design elements that didn't matter. Um, so they, they would like, they'd round all the edges. And then the next year, or two years later or something, all the edges would be hard. Yeah. And then like three or four years later, they'd round all the edges again. And then like three General or four Motors, years later, they, they'd bring, yeah. The, okay, yeah, yeah. They, they'd bring the colors back. So like it's, it's the, I, Apple's very similar. And they, whatever video that was, um, I don't remember, sorry. Um, whoever it was, you did a great job. But. Um, it was Veritasium apparently. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Oh, good job. Yeah. He, Apple does the same thing. 
So they they make all the edges hard, then they round them, <laughs> then yeah. they change the colors, and they change the colors back to something that they released three or four years ago. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, oh, and it was yeah. skeuomorphism to what? What was it? Parallax. Someone told me in the in the chat. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, what will the channel be about? I'm so glad you guys asked. So Jonathan's going to cover everything from you know forward looking. Uh, addressing rumors, uh, kind of content to looking back at the past and, you know, talking about, you know, where has Apple come from? How has, how has this product line or this concept developed over time? He'll be looking at news that develops in the Apple world that's kind of specific to the Apple world. You know, for example, uh, one of the videos that we worked on a draft of over the last few months, but I don't think this one ever actually got a finalized script because we didn't launch the channel yet and it was kind of developing pretty quickly, but there was a thing where uh, Mac SSDs were unnecessarily writing, um, or Ma uh, Mac OS was unnecessarily writing to the boot SSD, causing it to potentially wear out faster over time. And there were some, some fixes that you could apply yourself until I think Apple has ultimately fixed it on their own now. But that's the kind of stuff that we'd love to cover. So little like tips and tricks, uh, product reviews. Uh, basically, they've got a carte blanche in terms of, you know, um, acquiring Apple devices because a lot of the time there's extra use that we can get out of those same devices over on LTT. Yeah. You know, for example, if Mac address wants to do an unboxing or, you know, it's, I'm probably unboxing wouldn't make as much sense on Mac address, but if they wanted to do some kind of initial impressions on the announcement, then it hits our dock, short circuit unboxes it, then Mac address can do our LTT can do like a review and then Mac address can do like the the three months later actually daily driving this thing as an Apple user that way we can make sure that every one of our properties is contributing something distinctly different to the coverage of that product but all getting benefit out of it which really helps from a business standpoint absorb the cost of acquiring Apple products because they are not cheap and particularly with a channel this small, it would normally be extremely difficult for them to just go out and buy every Apple product unless they're you know, a trust fund kid or whatever else and it just doesn't really matter and their YouTube channel is a hobby until it finally pops off after a few years of toil or whatever the case may be. So that's, the, that's kind of the concept for it. I think he did an absolutely great job of the kickoff video. It sort of talks about some of the great features of Apple's iCloud keychain, um, you know, what's good about it, how it's really easy to use, uh, one of the flaws in it, which is that it can actually be a huge security problem. Oh yeah. Um, because it only uses a single factor for authentication <laughs> rather than two. Um, and yeah, there is something that our community was a little upset that he didn't address, but this actually is a perfect transition to talking about what's going to be a little bit different about this channel. Like, guys, I get it. You want to hear about you want to hear us talk about, you know, self-hosted password managers, you know, why didn't you talk about uh, Bitwarden? You know, I'm running Bitwarden in, in a in a Docker container and it's so easy. And it's like, okay, that ain't the audience, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like, you got to understand one of the challenges for Linus Tech Tips and honestly for our channels in general. And I'll see these comments all the time. Yeah, I really like this guy. He's got so much energy and they're always doing cool stuff. But I don't understand half the things he's talking about. 
And for those of you who, in our audience who are running Unraid and your own Plex servers and, and all this kind of stuff, to you, it might seem like you, you know, some kind of mental deficiency that someone doesn't just roll their own Plex server and roll their own password manager and run Home Assistant on their home server to bridge together all of their different smart home ecosystems so they can interact with each other. Why isn't everybody doing this? Because they don't want to. Most people don't care. Most people would rather spend their time trying out a new recipe than figuring out how to run a Plex server and they'll just pay for Netflix. Actually very similar kind yeah. of activities in a way. Exactly, exactly. So in the same way that you might subsist on ramen noodles and save a lot of money on movies, um, they might subsist on, I don't know, better food and pay for <laughs> movies. You know what I mean? Everyone's got different priorities and we've all only got 24 hours in a day. And we think, and we'll find out if this is true, we think that taking, um, taking more of a mainstream approach to the MAC address channel is likely to be more successful, which is one of the reasons that I have um, not quite fully recused myself when it comes to editorial decisions or, okay, I, I've recused myself when it comes to decisions, but I haven't quite removed myself from the editorial process, but I have mostly pulled back because I have a tendency to over explain or get into too much technical depth. So sometimes I'll watch videos from other YouTubers that have like five or 10 million views. And I'm looking at them going like, I sit, I watch the whole thing and I'm like, this was literally nothing. This was entirely fluff that anyone who has two functioning eyes and an internet connection should already know. And that's really destructive sometimes to allowing us to broaden our reach as a company because sometimes I don't even realize what people want to know. I just, I just completely miss it. You know, today Anthony wrote and I hosted a video on NVIDIA's Code 43 error, which comes up if you try and install a driver on a GeForce GPU within a virtual machine. And it's something we're making a video about because I'm really excited that NVIDIA has finally removed that limitation and allows you without any stupid workarounds to pass through a GPU to a VM. Most people don't need or even want that functionality in their life. And that kind of video is the one where people are going to be like, yeah, I'm super, I consider myself super techie, but I had no idea what you were talking about with IOMMU groups and PCI device pass through and, and all that kind of stuff. And so you got to understand there's different kinds of techie. Like there's like Luke, you yeah. see this a lot because you interview a lot of developers. Talk about the difference between software techie and hardware techie. Oh yeah, um, I I actually often really like when people are hardware techie because I find that those people, I don't know if other people have found this, this would be pretty interesting if there's any recruiters in the audience, but those people are often uh, more self-driven and better at working on their own um, than others because that usually means that they work on a very large amount of product uh, projects at home. I have found that more people that are into little bits of of development for hardware will do more at home development. I don't know why it just, 
I've seen it trend that way. But yeah, there's there's a really big difference. Um, even in the development space, if you're if you're looking at extremely surface level, you see two people um, that type at a computer and work with like servers, and you're like, cool, I found two developers, and it's like, okay, yeah, well, if you try to make one of them uh, make the make the what you use on a website, the front end on a website. Uh, they might be an infrastructure person, and it might be absolutely freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah. um, you need you need different people for different things, and they are actually very different people for different things. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like you know, um, some people can be super techy in the sense that they uh, they're really excited about new gadgets, and they go out and they get them and they try them and. Those people, yeah, those people are techie in a way that I, for example, am not. Like if I sat down, okay, if I tried to join a home automation podcast as a guest, for example, I would probably sound like a complete know-nothing, like Luddite, just a complete non-techie idiot because I don't use the stuff because I just don't care. And then, nerds. and then meanwhile, oh, that's another one. That's another one. I mean, man, float plane people are going to know because they already saw our tech trivia answered in the form of a question thing where I knew absolutely nothing about hacking in <laughs> Linux because it's just not, it's not a part of my day-to-day -day life. Back to the home automation example for a moment, though. This is great. So I was determined. I was like, look, I'm just, I'm going to do this. I, it's not like I don't have the basic skills to change out a light switch in my house. So I'm going to change all my light switches for smart switches. So I went and I got whatever the like ballin awesome one is from Lutron, their Caseta, Caseta line or whatever. And I installed one of them in the kid's room. And it was supposed to be really cool because what you can do with smart switches is... For example, you can turn two lights on and off at the same time, even if they're not on a three-way switch or if they're not connected in any way. So there's lots of things that, even though I haven't reached the point in my life where I can't get up off my butt and press a light switch, <laughs> there would be useful functionality. Because like my kid's room, for example, it used to be two rooms. We ripped out the wall in between and made it the mega room with like a built-in bunk bed on one side. So they have more room to play. But that means that the two lights in the room are like way far apart and they're on two completely different switches. So I was like, oh, that's great. I'll just go ahead. I'll put the smart switches in. I'll configure the thing. We'll have the button. After spending, you know, 63 Canadian dollars or whatever it was for this light switch, I just couldn't bring myself, even though I make enough money that I really could just buy smart switches for my house if I really wanted to, I couldn't bring myself to buy any more of them because the quality of the switches in the buttons was so poor that it offended me to the point where I actually just didn't care how good the smart homeness of it was. They're so mushy and awful to press that I would honestly rather put my crappy dumb switch back in because in the dark, I can't even, there's no tactile feeling to it. Like the fact that they overlook, like this is what makes me so mad. Remember when early smartphones were great at being smart and terrible at being phones? So these smart switches are great at being smart and they're terrible at just being a light switch. I can't feel for it in the dark. It's like, it's mushy and garbage. They have no stabilization on the button whatsoever. So they've overlooked this just blatantly obvious thing to me as admittedly more of a hardware nerd and less of like a, a, a you know, cloud, you know, lifestyle, um, 
Yeah, Linus the Switch Snob says Keter and over a floatplane. No, but that's a thing. And I, I think that would also probably relate to, I'm sure you get one of my biggest pet peeves in, in consumer electronics and also especially when you when you like go out somewhere, especially if you need to, if you're going to an event and there's a terminal of some kind, is really bad, especially non-screen-based touch controls. I find non-screen-based touch controls are often way worse even. Yeah. They're just incredibly frustrating to use. There's like no user feedback. You have no idea if the thing you're pressing is working. It's often hooked into some like yep. Dell that's been sitting in this like air choked box for like six years and the is somehow air gap alive. between the front glass and the actual panel behind is like half a centimeter so if you're standing <laughs> off axis you actually can't tell if you're aligned with the button it's, it's just so annoying that stuff like actually genuinely infuriates me but then they're like no one else seems to really care but yeah there, there's there's definitely um a very wide variance of nerds someone in floatplane chat made a comment a very long time ago, so I don't remember the exact wording for it, but they said something along the lines of like, oh, so it's like content for normies, or it's like for, for mass appeal, I think is what it said. Not necessarily, it's no. just not necessarily for you, if you're saying that. Yes. Um, it, it might be, it's it's going to be for a, a select section of people, but just like Linus's example of cooking videos... Um, I'm staring into my webcam thing that has a cover on it. That's completely useless. Um, just like Linus's example of cooking videos, um, that's going to be for people that specifically like cooking. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a normie audience. You might think it's yeah. normie because it's not what you're into, but it's not necessarily normie. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's yeah. It's for Anyways. techie people, but who are more into lifestyle technology, and that I think that crowd does tend to skew more heavily towards Mac. Because that's something that Apple does a really good job of, is creating a cohesive environment where, if you're willing to pay, everything just works. Except when it doesn't. Yeah, but like, you, you brought up the, the design of the icons. Yeah. Like, maybe there's a video about that at some point, and maybe the person who made that comment isn't going to give a crap because it's not their thing and, or they don't understand why it matters because it's not their thing, but someone else might care. And back to the design of the icons, just because it's not the kind of thing that I notice doesn't mean that I don't absolutely respect the people who work on it, the people who study that kind of you know user interaction, user experience science, because it, that it's art, yes, but it is also science. The way people interact with their devices, interact with websites, there is a lot of well, science and also black magic to getting that stuff just right. And I have a ton of respect for the people who manage to build interfaces that look and that look great and manage to also be functional. So I'm I'm extremely excited for the future of this channel. I think Jonathan has done a great job. I think that there is a possibility that we will expand the roster because I think my goal of two to three videos a week is going to be very challenging for just one person to hit. Um, so, you know, yeah, guys, uh, you know, let us know if you think that you're qualified to run the Mac address and you're able to relocate to Vancouver and you have a current work permit. Okay. You have, you have the ability to work in Canada now, not if you like think it might be possible, because if you think it might be possible, it probably isn't. So yeah, just, just let us know. Um...
had a lot of that in my hiring stuff as well. I, I feel like we've gone through similar experiences. Okay, AJ AJ is giving me crap for my Lutron stuff. He's like going for the Lutron stuff is the reason people go for Apple because they think expensive means it's good. Well, okay, no. So this is this is great. This is actually a really good conversation. So I went for it because based on the uh, the functionality and based on the compatibility with other ecosystems, it was the most complete option was the reason that I went for it. It didn't have limitations in terms of how many devices you could have and blah, 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 blah. So there were a bunch of reasons I went for it, but okay, you might have said, oh, well, those reasons aren't very meaningful for me because I don't mind setting up a Docker container with Home Assistant and having everything interact with each other that way, which is which is totally fair. Yeah, AJ, of course I read comments. What do you think I'm not reading comments on the WAN show? What do you think this is, huh? AJ is one of our devs over at Flowplane. So it's just <laughs> different approaches to the problem. And for me, that solution is not one that necessarily makes sense. Now, since that time, I have actually set up Home Assistant, although I'm only using it for my garage door for now. And in the future, uh, I'm actually moving in the next uh, few months. So in the future, I'm definitely going to try and figure out what the, what the end game way to go about this is. But... For now, for the time, that made the most sense to me. Um, 6969X in the chat says, Pro Automator here. Lutron is by far the best lighting control. Any honest automator will tell you that, just not the Caseta line. Okay, so now we know that, so that's good to know. I thought the Caseta one was more expensive, though. Okay, that I don't remember. Part of it is that Amazon.ca's pricing is, like, all over the place, and for whatever reason, I was on Amazon. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta kick that. So, Luke. Actually, I want to talk about that. That's not one of our topics today. But you've been trying to de-Amazonify your life for a while now. How's that yeah. going? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy anything from Amazon. What is, That's like, pretty much it. What do you do? Um, it's so convenient. I, they got Prime I, shipping. I understand that they have Prime shipping, but yeah, I find I don't buy as much stuff as I feel like a lot of people do. Right. Um, uh, really. I don't know. Really? Would you say you're a cheap? <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't. I don't have any like actual metric to gauge that on, but I just feel like I don't. So like, technically, Prime would just lose me money anyways, because realistically, you're just trying to get for free shipping. But you can pr you can pay for the same shipping time. Like if you're like, oh, I need it in two days or whatever, because I, I believe in Canada, that's the Prime shipping standard is mm -hmm. two days. So you can pay for the two day shipping. And there's a lot of other retail websites where you can pay to get things in two days you just have to you have to pay for it instead right. of just having prime which you're paying for just annually so it doesn't feel like it so when you go to buy that individual item it feels cheaper because yep. you're getting it from amazon but it's probably not well i know depends on how much you chop from amazon if you buy from amazon like every freaking day then sure definitely you're going to save a ton of money at the end of the year yeah um but sort of. at my volume you, i would not at all I'll, I'll hold that thought for a second so like you know what do you do because like one of the first hits, anytime you search for like buy anything, is going to be an Amazon page. They're oh, so that's good great. at SEO. Because Amazon search is fantastic. So I, I usually actually use Amazon to find the thing that I want um, and then use SKUs or product names or descriptions or just manufacturers or whatever, and then just find it elsewhere and buy it from there. <laughs> cool. It's just, yeah. On the subject of things being cheaper on Amazon, that is not necessarily always true. So take, for example, oh, I just mean because of the free bottles. shipping. Well, no, even then. 
So LTT water bottles are actually priced $5 higher on Amazon than they are on LTTstore.com. And for people with Prime, that might still make it less expensive and faster to get to them because Amazon has warehouses all over the place and stuff like that. But the reason that we have them priced more expensive and the reason that a lot of vendors do that is because Amazon charges so much for fulfilled by Amazon service that it's your costs are just inherently higher when you're working through Amazon. So compared to having basically, I think we're at the point now where we're near half or over half of the total business of the uh, logistics company that we use that's run by one of my old NCIX colleagues. So even at the point where we are like basically setting up our own like half of a logistics company and funding that percentage of that business, our costs are so much lower working through them that we have to charge about $5 extra on Amazon. And it's not just that. There's ways that they just kind of completely screw you over as a vendor that a lot of people don't talk about. Like, for example, um, an item was mislabeled. We don't know if it was us who mislabeled it or if it was them who mislabeled it, but some people bought the 40-ounce LTT water bottle on, I think it was Amazon.ca, and got the 21-ounce one and wanted to return and returned it. And Amazon basically flagged the whole thing as, like, mislabeled, immediately blamed us with no sort of investigation whatsoever, and they've had them for a couple of months now, pending sending back to us, which I guess they'll do when they feel like it or something. And there's other cases where, um, oh man, I forget what it was, but there's one, there's one stupid thing where ultimately we, oh yeah, 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 here's a really good one. If it ships out late and the customer demands, like, I think you can demand some kind of like chargeback if it doesn't arrive on at the time it's like supposed to arrive or something. I forget what it is, some kind of like guaranteed delivery guarantee. Um, we get penalized if it doesn't arrive in time, even though it's fulfilled by Amazon. It's in their warehouse. They handle the entire thing end to end and it, we get billed against our account for it. And I'm sitting here going, what? <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> it makes I So my big thing is, and we, we've talked about this on WAN Show a lot, like when, when a company does something yeah. that we don't like, this used to actually even be more pop, more common on the WAN show, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it, we would say vote with your wallet, right? Sure. Um, we, we'd stop pre-ordering games. Stop buying that game from that store that is doing things that you don't like. Yep. Stop doing whatever. And you can take, you can decide whatever uh, about which thing pisses you off enough. But there's just enough things that Amazon has done that I just, I don't like buying from them. From like employees needing to piss in bottles to like, all this other crazy stuff. No, no, they I denied just... that. They denied that until they stopped oh. denying it. <laughs> yeah, they can, they can deny whatever they want. I just, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I like the idea of supporting these smaller shops. Yeah. Um, I, I often find that the smaller shops are much more appreciative of your business. Um, I find they're actually still, some people are like, oh yeah, Amazon's just really easy to work with. Like Linus just said, the the companies just get blamed for everything. So you can just return yeah. whatever you want. That's why I, Amazon is so easy to work with as a consumer, because Amazon is screwing over the vendors on the other side, whether it's did you yeah. see that um, that company that made a really nice messenger bag that Amazon Basics just outright yeah. ripped off? Oh, Amazon Basics has has. Yeah ruined tons of stuff like yeah, I, yeah. So, so but i also find that small vendors are not difficult to deal with um and and often you get like really personalized service um which is 
pretty nice. Like I, I've had no problem ever since I dropped Amazon and I actually don't even think it's really been notably that much more convenient. The only thing that I think was genuinely more convenient about being on Amazon is checking the like tracking status of packages was more centralized. That's yeah. It. Yep. And I mean, there's a reason that we use it so much for the business because tracking down invoices and stuff like that for the accounting team is so much simpler when we do the majority of our ordering through Amazon. Uh, Nick messaged me about yeah. the uh, the water bottles. He says, uh, we've requested them to be sent back through the system three times now, LMAO. I think it's working this time because it's not labeled as reserved in the system anymore. But yeah, it's not a great experience. <laughs> With yeah, that but like, said, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I just, I, I'm seeing people in, in full plane chat talk about this and I, and I know this is a thing. People will post on Twitter about how like the horrible working conditions and all these horrible practices that Amazon has, uh, and then turn around and later that night order some stuff off Amazon. And I'm just like, whoa, like if you're just, if you're just helping to pour money in that direction, you're just, you're just funding, you're literally funding the problem. Um, which is like, I mean, if, if you don't care about those things, that's whatever. I'm not saying that you must act on this or anything, but, um, I, I I cared and it was really easy to solve. So I just did it. So Palin H says, if your experience with Amazon is so bad, uh, why are you still selling things through them? Because overall, we are deeply invested and 100% committed to LTTstore.com. But at the end of the day, some people, and you can see here, it is a considerable number of people. Each model of the LTT circuit board water bottle has like tens of reviews on it. So that should tell you, actually, I, I would say that compared to most products on Amazon, that is not as representative of sales because you guys are amazing. Like our community is rabid. I'm pretty sure like most people who buy one <laughs> are leaving a review. Thank you so much, you guys are amazing. But um, that should tell you that we are moving a considerable number of water bottles through Amazon. So even if, we market up, which helps cover the cost of fulfilled by Amazon. And even if we have to eat it once in a while when stupid stuff happens and we just get blamed for it for no reason, there are people who are just only going to shop on Amazon and that is the yeah. only way to reach that audience. So there's just not really a lot we can do about it if we want to do what's best for our business and our employees. So for me, I see myself as the executive you know, officer, chief executive officer of the company as being at the service of pretty much everyone. In a way, everyone is my boss because if they're dissatisfied, then I ultimately lose my job. If my employees are dissatisfied and they leave, I will lose my job because my job is to be in charge of them. <laughs> so if they're gone, then I don't have a job anymore. I can't, I can't run the business. Time uh, to if, mutiny, boys. If you guys, if you guys leave me, you know, if the viewers leave me, then I'm fired, right? And that, that was a conversation that I actually had with Jonathan Horst, the, um, the, oh wait, no, was it with him? No, no, it was with our new producer. Actually, I probably talked to him about it too, but it was with an applicant for the producer position for Channel Superfund, which we are maybe close to hiring, uh, where I, they basically asked me a, a really good interview question. This is a really great interview question. Ask, ask your interviewer if you want to look smart. Um, they asked me, what does success look like in this role? And, you know, I basically said a bunch of stuff and they were like, okay, so at the bottom line, you don't really know. And I said, yeah, that's the truth because I'm not your boss. 
like, yeah, sure, I'll sign your paychecks and you'll report into me when stuff is good or stuff is bad or you need help or whatever. But at the end of the day, your boss is the audience. If yeah. they're not happy, you're fired. And if they're not happy with me, guess what? I'm fired too because my job hangs by a thread every single day. We've got a lot of good momentum. We've got a lot of good people. We've got a lot of expertise, a lot of know-how, a lot of equipment. So we're better positioned to be competitive in this space than almost anyone else. But that doesn't change anything if the audience decides, you know what? I don't really like Linus Tech Tips anymore because it's over. That's the end of the game. We're done, right? So I forget how I got on this topic. Uh, did someone, someone posted a question or something like that? Can't remember what I'm responding to, but um, crap. Where, where, where'd I go? Where, where'd I come from with this? You know what? It doesn't matter. A, C, B, A, A, B, C, B over on Floatplane. Uh, I still love the swack it. Wife doesn't really get it, but can you make a V2? We are working on it. So we're still going to work with Amazon because it's, there, there's just, Oh, wait, why was I? Why was I talking it's, about well, that? Something Help that I would out, bring guys. up is like it's it's like it's just a tangent. All right, it's like they're you're 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 a merchant trying to sell things and you don't set up your stall. Like it, it's a criticism that I used to give to Intel all right. the time when they okay, when I they remember. backed out of. Okay, sorry. okay, I remember, I remember. I was saying I'm a bad chief executive officer if I don't do best do what's best for the people that I work for which is my employees. If we are not selling those water bottles on Amazon, at the end of the day, that's gonna affect our budgeting for next year, which is gonna affect their compensation, which is gonna affect their happiness and morale, which is gonna affect my ability to keep running this company and we're all gonna get fired. So I have to ultimately do what's best for the business within reason, within the, the limits of what I am morally allow myself to do. If people are going to shop on Amazon and there's nothing I can do to stop them and I can't reach them anywhere else, the reality of it is we're going to have water bottles on Amazon. That was where I was going with that. Sorry, Luke, go ahead. You're talking to Intel. Uh, yeah, so my, my point was like I, I, used to, I used to constantly roast Intel for not showing up to PAX because um, they, they had this constant PAX presence for years. Mm -hmm. And by talking to a bunch of them, they, they effectively decided like, oh, the ROI doesn't really seem to be there, so we're backing out. Right. Uh, and that was just, uh, I would argue to the end of the earth without the proper metrics or, and probably without the proper words to explain it. But that was an incredibly stupid move. Um, and I, I have talked to people there that have argued against me and I have found little to no value in their arguments. And I maintain that that was just an incredibly stupid move because they didn't, they, they were a vendor and they didn't put their booth at the market. Like it's, it's, it's that basic. Maybe, maybe they didn't make yep. the money there. Maybe I have no idea, but maybe you guys don't make an incredible amount on those water bottles, but it's out there. It's, it's an available there. storefront. You guys should do it. It gets your name out there. It gets people more focused on the idea of LTT merch. They're really high quality water bottles. The more they're around, the more available they are. If you get that into the hands of someone who's a super fan, but they only shop on Amazon. Yep. And then they try it. They're like, wow, this is awesome. They might leave a five-star review. They might leave a five-star review. They might go to LTT store. They might recommend it to their friends. Yep. They might do these other various things. So, you know, that has multiple impacts. Like Luke said, they might go to LTTstore.com and buy a t-shirt. Or they might leave a five-star review, which might influence someone who's never even heard of Linus Tech Tips sure. to just yeah. buy this water bottle, thinking that it's Linus cool Tech Tips is a bottle. water bottle brand. And they just buy it and like it. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's not impossible, right? I'm sure someone no, has bought yeah. it who like has no idea what the heck Linus Tech Tips is. 
Although I do think, Nick, I know you're watching. I do think we could do a better job of like the merchandising on these things because just 40 ounce capacity. I think we could say a little more about how it keeps your drinks cold or hot or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, this is great. <laughs> oh, these, uh, these, uh, these reviews are really good. Oh, you can get rid of the metallic smell. It just takes a while. It's kind of like when you get a new fridge and you uh, have like the water dispenser in it. it. You got to yeah. actually wash it like quite a lot of times. The manufacturing stink is is real. The Lord has blessed this one. Very good. I like sip sip. You, you guys, you guys are great. You guys are great. By the way, we actually have another uh, LTT store product that is new on Amazon. We don't have a ton of them in stock because Amazon, again, like stupid limitations. They only let you put like a handful on the store at a time. But ABCs of Gaming is officially on Amazon.com. I noticed something really weird though. This is hilarious. So check this out, Luke. Um, you can buy, hold on a second. Where, where is it? Ah, yes. One used from $8.77. Uh, how would someone have a used copy of ABCs of gaming. We have only sold it through LTT store and Amazon hasn't sold a single unit yet, I don't think, because we have not announced this yet. So I clicked on this because I was really curious about it and check this out. Uh, oh, where did it go? Is it another vendor or something? There was one. Hold on. Where is it? Oh yeah, here we go, here we go, here we go. So Honest Abe's Books and Media. It's not actually used, it's new. And it's $13.26 plus $12.50 of shipping, which makes me wonder. Okay, so that's a total of about almost $27. Um, or $26? Yeah, $26. Which makes me wonder if there are actually like used bookstores on Amazon whose entire business is to algorithmically check the price across a variety of different outlets and then list it on Amazon knowing that they can buy it because it doesn't cost $13 to ship or $12.50 to ship that thing within the United States. So knowing that they can buy it, have it shipped to them and then reship it to a customer and show a lower sticker price, but make margin on that high shipping cost. And that's like their entire business is making like five or 10 or 15 points on this like buying yeah. from Amazon and then reselling to you with deceptive shipping prices or something like that. Because there's no other way that Honest Abe, what was it called? Honest Abe's bookstore? Honest Abe's, yeah. which makes it more funny in this context. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's pretty awesome. Go figure, right? Um, so anyway, yeah, idea. ABC's Gaming is on there. Oh, fine. oh, last bit of LTT store news. They're in stock. Oh, I have an interesting story about this. Do you, do you know Lord Barrington? Uh, you know yes. Barrington, right? Yeah. So he's, he started Twitch streaming recently. Uh, and I noticed something familiar in the background of his stream. And it was a mouse pad. And I asked him why the entire backdrop of his stream was a mouse pad. And it's because the mouse pad was too big for his desk. So he just hung it up behind him because he thinks it looks cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> Barrington, <laughs> you are the truest of OGs. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> so not only is it a mouse pad, but if you want them, it's a $30 piece of wall art. 
Oh man, you know, the funny thing about this thing is like mouse pads should not be as expensive as they are. They are such a ripoff. Like think about it. If we can make a 1.2 meter by 70 centimeter desk pad and charge $30 for it, that's how much margin other companies are making on like their mouse pads, okay? And to be clear, just because it has four times the material doesn't mean it costs four times as much. No. A yeah. lot of the cost of a mouse pad is in just the machine time to create it, not actually in the materials cost. So that's why all of them are the same price. And actually, at the higher end, we are making substantially less margin on them compared to on the lower end. It's just that when we average it out, we looked at it and kind of went like, yeah, this is, this is all pretty doable at $30, so I really don't understand why that's so complicated. Uh, all right, so that's it. I promise that's the last of the LTT store stuff. Now, why don't we jump into one of our main tech topics of the day. NVIDIA is entering the CPU and laptop business. Their GTC event happened this week, and they had little to say to gamers, but they have thrown down the gauntlet for pretty much the Very entire well. rest of the industry. So Grace is an ARM CPU aimed at the data center named for computer scientist Grace Hopper, who theorized and developed what would become COBOL. It's designed for large data sets like natural language processing and recommender systems, and NVIDIA claims 10 times the performance of today's fastest servers on AI and HPC workloads. What we don't know is if that is based on the NVIDIA GPUs that will be using a fourth gen NVLink and will be probably new GPUs by that point compared to what is available today. Yeah, we do know that NVIDIA is extremely fond of saying X times the performance of this, but with having like very specific qualifications for that, but then not dis disclaiming those. So or, yeah, a uh, bit of a bit of an if issue, but oh well. Uh, it'll use LPDDR5X memory for two times the bandwidth and better efficiency than DDR4 with, this is really cool, unified cache coherence with a single memory space that combines system and HBM GPU memory. Holy crap. So that is thanks to the 900 gigabyte, not, not bit, 900 gigabyte per second link between Grace CPUs and NVIDIA's GPUs. Whew. Intel's new CEO, Pat Gelsinger, responded to the threat by proclaiming, we're playing offense, not defense, yo. I, I added the yo part. He didn't say yo. But um, yeah. <laughs> Would have been cooler if he did. He pointed out that Intel has Deep Learning Boost and their Habana AI processors. Uh, that's a company they purchased in late 2019. Anthony's take. He's aware that Intel's in fact playing defense right now, but he's a fighter, <laughs> so he won't admit it. I... I want to input on that, actually. I read that before the show, and I, I think that's... One sec. Very, okay. I'm going to keep going anyways. I th well, I kind of need Linus to hear this. I'll tell you guys first. We'll see what your guys' reaction is. Uh, so I think that's a very informed take, but I do also think um, that Pat Gelsinger's new strats is putting Intel on the offense in general. Yes. Um, so I, I, I don't think, like, like, yeah, technically this is Intel's space to defend, but I think Pat's point is like, we're not acting like we used to. And whether you guys were coming or not, we're pushing forward. So I am so all. glad because man, when Intel with the resources they have and the brains they have is focused on doing cool stuff, boy, does it ever make tech more exciting. Like yeah. I am so jazzed. If Intel's discrete graphics cards are anywhere near decent, I am just 
so excited because they're the only ones that I think can <sighs> command NVIDIA's respect in the longer term in that space, I hope. Um, <laughs> I hope as well. MediaTek partnership to bring RTX graphics to ARM laptops. That's pretty cool. They're apparently working on that as well. And AMD has previously been rumored to be developing ARM Silicon. Uh, ARM CPU integration with GPUs is too big of an advantage not to pursue. So it's not like NVIDIA is the only one that's probably um, chasing after this right now. But they're the ones that are announcing it. They've got a roadmap and it's pretty exciting, not just for the data center, but also for the laptop space. I mean, man, what is that even going to look like? You know, you could potentially be gaming on ARM, because as soon as NVIDIA starts to throw money at the problem, you know that it's not just on the front end, it's not just on devices, it's gonna be on the back end as well, getting actual games you actually wanna play ported to ARM devices. You know, speaking of actual games I actually wanna play on ARM devices, Apple has an exclusive on Apple Arcade that I actually care enough about that I am tempted to buy Apple Arcade and play it. What? Have what you seen it? Fantasian? No. Okay, so this is this is part. Um, one of the things that really drew me to it is that it is in no small part being worked on by team members from Final Fantasy VI, which you'll probably know is one of my favorite games ah. of all time. And it's it's so cool because one of the the Genesis stories of Fantasian is that. Um, some of the long-time Final Fantasy peeps replayed Final Fantasy VI. They went back and re-looked at it and were like, wow, this was really awesome. We haven't really done it like this in a long time. <laughs> this could be the last game that uh, legendary composer Nubo, actual, Nubu, I, whatever, I'm not going to pronounce it right, um, composes for. Like, this could be the last full score that he does and i am extremely excited to play it the problem for me is that i um i ha i get like anxiety about being pla about having things platform locked like one of the things that really bothers me about the nintendo switch for example is i'll play a game on almost anything other than a nintendo console if i can because they have a long and proud history of doing stupid things like deleting all your cloud saves and making them completely inaccessible and impossible to move to another device if you don't pay for their service. Um, and in the same way, you know, I'm really concerned that if this game ever comes out for another platform where, for example, there's modding support and I can play, you know, different variants of it or whatever the case may be, I would have to go and I'd have to kind of completely restart, which if it's anywhere near as good as I'm hoping it is, would not be a problem to just play it again. But I, I don't think they've acknowledged in any way whether it's going to come to other devices or other platforms. But I, um, I don't know. I just, I'm not going to pay for Apple Arcade forever. It's that simple. Yeah. That ain't happening. Yeah. I'm, I just want to play this one game. So I, I kind of want to wait for it to come to something else. Yeah, it's the diorama game. The, man, the art style is so cool. They made dioramas and then recreated them digitally. Like, look at this! Look at this style! It is so cool. So they have these like incredibly detailed environments. So it ends up looking hyper photorealistic 
even though it's running on an iPhone or an Apple TV or whatever the case may be. So I really, I really, really, really want to play it. I can't find anything saying that it's technically an exclusive. No, so you might, you but might they get also your wish. haven't acknowledged when and if it'll ever go anywhere else. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just well, kind of in might, limbo. They might be waiting to see what the reception is. Yeah. So maybe if everyone holds out like me, <laughs> they'll release it, it on happen. something else. Yeah. yeah. I'd I'd buy it on. Ah, man, I really wouldn't want it on Switch. What I want it on is PC, but I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna get that wish. Right. All right, what else we got to talk about today? Microsoft's acquisition sponsor spots. Oh, sponsor spots. We should talk about those. The video is brought to you today by Phantom Wallets. They are sleek and slim wallets that fan out all of your cards for easy and instant access. So with one flick of your thumb, your cards are fanned, ready for you to select the card of your choice. They've got an integrated quick access slot, which gives you easy access to your top card, and they're available in a variety of sizes and finishes. Lots of accessories allow for customization of the wallet and their new wallet tracker accessory allows you to track your phantom wallet or use your wallet to find your phone. So don't wait. Use code LINUS10 to get 10% off your order at the link down below. The show is also brought to you by Pulseway. Pulseway is a real-time remote monitoring and management system that allow, or software, excuse me, that helps you manage your systems and support users from anywhere. That you can fix problems on the go by sending commands from any mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android, and it's compatible with Windows, Mac, and even Linux. Their single app gives you remote, I mean, if it wasn't compatible with Linux, it wouldn't be very good for system administrators, so it is. Their single app gives you remote desktop functionality and lots more. So you can get real-time status, monitor system resources, check logged in users, push updates, and more. You can even create, deploy, and automate custom scripts. So go try it for free today at Pulseway.com or at the link in the video description. The show is also brought to you by Squarespace. Don't know who Squarespace is? I'm gonna let you get informed here. If you need a website and don't have the know-how, or even if you do have the know-how and you just don't have a lot of time, Squarespace has you covered. They make it so easy to build your own gorgeous website and they've got a wide selection of award-winning templates to get you started. It's all optimized for mobile, so it looks great on any device. And interesting, you can now create members-only content for extra revenue using Squarespace's members areas. That is really fascinating. I have no wow. idea what Square... I want to look into this now. I have no idea what Squarespace's revenue model looks like for this, but that is... Okay, I'm not going to mention competitors during Squarespace's <laughs> sponsor read here, but they have obvious competitors, I think, who have obvious, um, you know, revenue splits and, and stuff like that and have definite problems with their platforms, which I've definitely experienced recently. And there's... I think Squarespace was right to identify an opportunity there. Fascinating. So grow and engage your audience with the powerful and easy to use email campaign system and more. And if you need help, Squarespace offers webinars, a full series of help guides, or you can contact their 24-7 customer support via live chat and email. Get started today at squarespace.com when and use offer code when to save 10% on your first purchase. What else is big to talk about today? iOS, to lose access to Discord servers labeled not safe for work. Now, I did see in the chat earlier when we announced this topic that there have apparently been some developments in this story. So guys, if you want to hit me with that in the uh, Floatplane chat, let me know if there's stuff that has changed. In the meantime, let's go through what the initial situation was. Uh, Luke, do you want to run us through this one? 
Sure. Earlier this week, Discord pointed out that their community guidelines require all adult content to be kept behind not safe for work gates on all servers. Uh, so there, there's, there's server rules and then there's Discord rules for the platform as a whole. Uh, to be specific, rule number six, you must apply the not safe for work label to channels if there is adult content in that channel. Um, and this would not technically apply to content that got quickly moderated. So like if you have some troll that comes and joins your server and posts some stuff that you don't want to be there and you delete it all and ban that user, you're fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, that includes uh, anything that like like avatar server banners, invite splashes, all that kind of stuff. It can't, it can't include adult content. Having a not safe for work channel within a server does not automatically make the entire server uh, not safe for work. If the server's content centers around not safe for work themes, or if the majority of the content is 18 plus, Discord marks the server as not safe for work automatically. Uh, this designation can be appealed by the server owner if they decide that that is apparently not the majority of the content. Um, I'm having a difficult time imagining a server where there's close to uh, 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 like 50% of the content is not safe for work and the rest of it isn't. That yeah that doesn't make a ton of sense to me but oh well users on ios are are blocked from joining and accessing flagged not safe for work servers so again not servers that include maybe a channel that's like that um, but servers that are mostly not safe for work uh, this includes people that are above the age of 18. Um, only not safe for work server owners and mods are allowed to view and manage from ios uh, you can still access these servers from Discord's web version. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, to actually block this kind of stuff, they would need to ban browsers as well. Um, back on March 22nd, Discord's <laughs> age rating changed from 12 plus to 17 plus at Apple's request. This was due to how easily you could access not safe for work content. Uh, the tr I, maybe I don't understand Discord, but I, I don't really know how that would be a thing. But the 12 plus rating might return now that the not safe for work gates are in Place. So basically what I'm trying to figure out is like Apple has a long and proud history of being kind of prudish about what's allowed in the app store in particular. Uh, like Tumblr had to pretty much purge porn, which was Tumblr from Tumblr, uh, in order to meet Apple's guidelines. But, you know, for example, if Discord is, I mean, it's obviously Discord didn't do this of their own volition. They didn't wake up one morning, everyone at Discord and go, you know what we should do is we should make it so that uh, not safe for work content is not available on iOS. This is totally unprompted. Like there's no way that happened. So yeah. there had to be some kind of prompting. So if that's what's going on behind the scenes, I mean, how does something like a Reddit continue to survive on iOS? Like at what point is Apple going to kind of go, yeah, people are going to do whatever they're going to do with the devices. Once we sell them, we don't, we don't actually own them anymore. Why are we getting involved in this? I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. Especially because, like, at that point for Reddit, they would need to... They would need to ban all not-safe-for-work subreddits, right? Yeah, but you can still get access to tons of not-safe-for-work content, even on what are otherwise, not strictly speaking, NSFW subreddits. True, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A lot oh. of it seems to be due to uh, Discord's age rating on the Apple Store. And Hokey Salco says, isn't Discord about to go public and or solicit a buyer? So it could make sense for that. If they can 
if they can get themselves in Apple's good graces before that happens, then I I guess that could be a good move. I think they're also really trying to keep their age rating on the Apple store at 12 plus instead of 17 plus. Um, I think that's, I think this is a lot of Discord's own motivations. Um, I think Apple's like, it, it, I, I might be reading this entirely incorrectly, but I think what's going on is Apple is like, hey, if these things are public, your app on the store is going to have a 17 plus rating. And Discord's like, uh, no, we want that to be 12 plus, so we're going to put some blocks in place. Can I just take a moment to rant about something particularly stupid that Apple does that drives me absolutely crazy? Of course. If you're not on an iOS device, you can't access basic information about an iOS app, like how what the reviews of it are. Why? Oh, yeah. Why are the reviews not here? What if I am? What if I happen to not be on my Mac or my iPhone? I I shouldn't I shouldn't be able to just browse the App Store and like learn about apps. I just I don't. I don't yeah, that's know weird. Why? It's just. It's just I, someone went out of their way to remove it. You know, it's not like it's not like they went and specifically added reviews for the iOS accessible version. They are doing a check. They are checking what device you're accessing it from and they are removing information from the page. Why? Just stop. I... Are you looking at the Fantasian? Listing? Yeah, yeah, I was looking at it. I just wanted to like look at reviews. It's like, oh no, you'll need to go get, you'll need to go get your iPhone and do your face ID and then, and then now you may find out about it. It's like, it's basic marketing. Anyone so, should be able to see how hot this game is, how amazing it is, and how much people want to play it because that's how you sell an iPhone. Yeah. Like, I just, I can't even. So here it is. Here it is on the phone. There's the ratings, okay? I can see category role-playing, how many players, if it's controller-supported, how big it is. I can read reviews. Is it me? Is it me specifically that they are blocking? It's like, uh, no, I, I can't see it either. I, I was trying to look it up and someone in Floatplane Chat said that they they found an article talking about Fantasia coming to PS5, but I asked oh, for really? the article and they did not produce it and I have not been able to find it. So I don't know. Yeah, Anthony's, Anthony is helpfully sending me reviews. Anthony forgets that I daily carry an iPhone. I Don't worry, Anthony, I got <laughs> this, thank you. It's just It's just stupid. If I don't happen to have an Apple device, why? Why? You you don't want me to ever get one because I just wouldn't know how great it is over on Apple, how amazing the apps are. Like I I can't. Uh, it's kind of like how they used to not let you watch the keynote live if you didn't already have an Apple device. Like that's the kind of just complete and utter arrogance that drives me crazy about this company. Now clearly they're improving because they do allow you to watch the keynote on a different device now. It's like. <laughs> Duh, that's a good idea. But for whatever reason, you still can't uh, you still can't like read a review of an app if you don't own the phone for some reason. It's just <sighs> all right. Maybe there's a great reason. Okay, maybe maybe you know Phil Schiller is gonna talk about it in the next you know, big keynote on the twentieth. 
and be like, and here's a big change. Now we actually want people to buy iPhones. So we're making it so they can see what's so great about an iPhone without already owning one. It's going to be amazing. Weird. You're going to love it. Some, someone pointed out that some other apps have reviews available online. Yep. Um, just not all of them like yeah. that one. I think it may be arcade ones don't. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what why the would, rules are, but like why? Why would that differential exist? It yeah. doesn't matter. It just it's doesn't ridiculous. matter what the reason is for it. It's a bad reason. It's stupid and they need to stop. I love how Qtrade Investor has a four plus age rating. Whatever. You can, you can invest when you're four, but if you're three, not a chance. This is my official favorite comment on the WAN show of all time. SIY <clears throat> Seth says, where are the timestamps? <laughs> the show is live. <laughs> the show is actually live right now. That's fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and jump into our next topic here. Uh, Epic Games Store is apparently bleeding money. So uh, okay. I, I think this headline is incredibly incorrect. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's more... So something that I would try to compare it to yeah. is have you seen the the new mad max new as in not as old as yeah. the other ones um you know when the the bad guy is standing on top of his huge tower and he like opens the the water funnels and all this water pours out and there's like an army of people with little tiny cups and they can barely get any and then he turns it back off yeah. this is what that feels like doesn't feel like they're bleeding money <laughs> it feels like they've turned the taps on a little bit for some other people and that's about it it's an investment move they're trying to invest in pumping up their platform yes. making it seem juicier to people that want to come and get tons of really big well-known free games which is obviously not cheap for them to do and and lots of other uh spending moves right now while money's good they're floating on on Fortnite. like things are things are totally fine and they're spending to pump their platform up it completely makes sense they're not not so money. this is great, though. So the reason that this came to light was because of the legal battle between Apple and Epic over use of the App Store on Apple devices and not wanting to pay Apple's 30% fee on in-app transactions. And so part of Apple's argument for the case revolves around proving that the Epic Game Store is not profitable and won't be for multiple years. So they say Epic Game Store lost around $330 million on exclusivity deals and giving away free games from 2019 to 2020 inclusive. So $440 million went into exclusives in 2020, and the store made $700 million in 2020, $265 million of which came from third-party sales. So that's, I'm assuming we mean made $700 million revenue. So Tim Sweeney, you know... He, he doesn't really speak out, you know, publicly. You know, he's not really like a, a, a going toe-to-toe -to -toe with you on Twitter kind of CEO, right? He's more <laughs> mild-mannered, you know, your stereotypical software nerd. Just kidding. Tim Sweeney hit back on Twitter, said, that's right, and it has proven to be a fantastic success in reaching gamers with great games and a fantastic investment into growing our business. Apple spins this as losing money, but spending now in order to build a great profitable business yeah. in the future is called investment. It's equally true whether you're building a factory, a store, or a game. Yeah, absolutely. Being yeah. wrecked. Absolutely and I, I, wrecked. I find it such a weird argument to be like, no, we shouldn't 
we shouldn't take a smaller cut. <laughs> they lose money. <laughs> like, what? Well, I, I mean, I can see that being part of their argument. Epic Game Store loses money with their lower take. So clearly that's not a sustainable business model. But then they go, the reason they're losing money is paying for exclusives, which is part of gaining traction for their platform, whether you like it or not, it is. And giving away the product. That's not, that's not, they, they don't, they didn't have to do that. They chose to do that. That was voluntary. It's not, that doesn't make it unsustainable. If anything, this tells us that based on Epic's take, which is what is it, like 12% or something like that? I can't remember. It's a lot lower than 30%. Based on Epic's take, it is clearly possible to sustain the server infrastructure and payment processing infrastructure and validation infrastructure that you need in order to run a marketplace. If anything, yeah. this proves Epic's point that the 30% take is entirely unnecessary. In fact, Apple's, Apple's own numbers prove that it's entirely unnecessary. That business unit is so profitable. They're a public company. You can just look this stuff up. Like it's in their, it's in their quarterly reports. So, you know, I think it's no secret that whatever my, you know, past might be with Mr. Sweeney um, and whatever my feelings might be about Epic Game Store, about Apple, I think that Epic is in the right here. Whether they are legally right or not is going to be up for the courts to decide. But I think right. if you look at it from what was the spirit of the creation of antitrust law, what, what, what was the spirit of anti-monopoly legislation? I think Epic is absolutely right. And I sincerely hope they win, not just for Epic's sake. I, I'm not invested in Epic. I don't care. But for the sake of the entire industry, because the way yeah. that Apple's been behaving, if Microsoft had been behaving like this in the 90s, they would have been broken up. Like, it's just, I don't get it. I don't understand why Microsoft, who, to be clear, has done some shady stuff over the years. Sure. But if Microsoft got punished the way they did, I don't understand why Apple has, comparatively speaking, gotten an absolutely free ride. And part of it is that Microsoft kind of gets a free ride now too. So it's just, the enforcement is down. Enforcement sucks. So that's what needs to improve. And I hope that that will be the result of Epic Games winning this battle. Unless they just lose. I don't know. Speaking of losing, Twitch streamers are losing millions of followers. So Twitch this, is this, is the same, this is the same thing that happens on YouTube. Um, YouTube's just been doing it forever and yeah. Twitch is just starting to do it now. Uh, essentially, there's been a correction. There's tons of bots on yeah. Twitch. There's tons of bots everywhere. There's tons of bots on every social media platform you can possibly imagine. And Twitch is removing those from people's follower numbers. In a huge amount of cases, I seriously doubt many of these big players had any personal investment at all in the, these bots that are being removed. It's and this is pointed out in the notes actually too. Yeah. Um, th this this type of botting is often usually against that creator. A lot of these creators will have uh, follow requirements to be able to talk in chat, and a lot of these bots are probably used to troll. Yeah. Um, so they follow the creator so that they can then troll the or creator. spam or whatever, or spam them, or or try to. Uh, promote other streams or promote products or yeah. do whatever there was a there was a while ago i think close to a year ago you couldn't go to any channel on twitch without having a ton of these clearly fake accounts in chat talking about uh trying to trying to post links in creative ways like like typing out the dot or whatever yeah. else um and and they're just spamming for different products or whatever the heck else so yeah i, I don't think 
I don't think this is this is new. It's just new to Twitch, and I don't think this should be surprising. And I don't think you should look at any of the creators that that have lost followers and be like, hmm, what were they doing? Because it's probably nothing. Big numbers uh, though. XQC uh, yeah. dropped 2.6 million followers. Soda Poppin lost 3.2. Um, now to be clear, we're not talking about subscribers. Those are people who pay no. and you actually make money from. So losing followers is not really meaningful. And honestly, if, if Twitch had been keeping up with this all along and the way that YouTube tries to once in a while where, where they'll, they'll purge subscribers, whether the account has become inactive or it was fake in the first place or whatever the case may be, they will often purge them. So you'll see those corrections, especially back when Social Blade used to expose everyone's exact subscriber count, or rather when YouTube through the API used to expose everyone's exact subscriber count and Social Blade allowed you to look back at people's history. You could see there'd be days of very, very large subscriber corrections where there's, there's no way that, you know, through 30,000 people unsubscribed from Phil DeFranco that day or whatever the case may be. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so what actually yeah. happened is they were going through and they were getting rid of, you know, maybe the account belongs to a deceased person. I, I don't know. Uh, but this is, oh, this is, this is great. I'm actually going to look this up real quick here and find out how many subscribers uh, LTT has lost over the years. So if you want to yeah, kind of talk through that's the next the thing. thing. Like, these numbers are, are huge, but it's huge because uh, it's never been done before on that platform. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let me let me find a new a new topic here really quick. And I hate the new dashboard. It's not even new anymore. It's just everything is so much harder to find. Just basic stupid crap. <laughs> it's like it's so frustrating. Where do I just see the subscription rate of the channel? Okay, so here's this. Yeah, we got that. So what is under video? Subscribers by video? No, I just want subscribers. I do have a topic if we want to. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm just, I, I'll keep working on this. Microsoft's acquisition streak continues. We talked about this uh, in the in the intro of the video, but they are buying another company uh, this time for $19.7 billion. It is Nuance. And I didn't see this part coming, but Nuance claims it is being used by more than 55% of physicians and 75% of radiologists in the United States and 77% really? of U.S. hospitals. That is crazy that market share. Very, very surprising to me. Um, and it shows Microsoft getting into Medicare, sort of. Um, okay. Uh, so Microsoft has acquired speech recognition and AI company Nuance in an all-cash deal valued at $19.7 billion, giving it control of the firm that helped Apple process Siri queries. Wow. It's a bit unclear what Nuance's current dealings are with Apple. Nuance was founded in 1992 and had 7,100 employees as of September. Um, once completed, it will be Microsoft's second large, largest acquisition following its 2016 purchase of LinkedIn for $24 billion, which still confuses me. Microsoft has been on a purchasing streak with their recent acquisition of ZeniMax Media uh, and its game publisher Bethesda Softworks for $7.5 billion in cash and continues uh, with closed-door talks to acquire Discord for a rumored $10 billion. Man, must, <laughs> Buy be, everything. must be nice to just have like billions and billions and billions of dollars to just kind of buy whatever businesses look kind of tasty to you and then 
ride them into the ground and shut them down like mixer. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Too uh, soon. Too soon. I, I can see why they find nuance interesting. I had no. I would have never guessed it would have that medical market share. Not a clue at all. If you told me it was speak recognition and and AI, I wouldn't assume it was radiologists and 77% yeah. of all US hospitals. I would not have put those together at all. If this was a multiple choice question. I would have not been a verified actual gamer. Um, I just, yeah, I, I would not have gotten that at all. Okay, um, I'm ready. Okay, I wanna, hear, I wanna hear your guess. For how many subscribers Linus Tech Tips has lost in its entire 13 year nearly history? Lost. Four million. Where'd you get that number from? Space. Space. All right. Well, you're you're a little far out to the past the moon here, a little bit. All right. But you're well, not I, that okay. you're not that if far you... off. Oh. So the real number is. Uh, hold on a second. Let me just kind of fix this a bit here and make it a little smaller. There we go. There's my dashboard. The real number is three point five six million people have I'm pretty happy with my guess. unsubscribed from Linus Tech Tips. Well, now, yeah, go ahead. That's not really accurate. No, it's not. Because you can actually see some of the videos that have caused unsubscription spikes are the gold play button unboxing, the I've been thinking of retiring stream, and is there anything you can think of that those two videos have in common? Mm, they're non, not tech-related. Mm, that's they're a good try. They are, huge. they are subscriber milestones. So one of them is 1 million, one of them is 10 million. I didn't know the retire one was, was a milestone. Okay. It was. Yeah. It was the 10 million subscriber milestone stream. And the reason that people unsubscribe from those videos is because it's easier to check how many subscribers a channel has if you are not subscribed to it. Oh, that makes sense. So people will unsubscribe and then resubscribe immediately. So you can see they also, uh, here we can actually show subscribers gained. Here we go, let's just add a quick column here. I hate this dashboard so much. They claim they built the new one to be faster. Well, they done up then, didn't they? Because it's not. I hate it so much. You already you already when fetched this data. Terrible. You already fetched it. Just rearrange it. Okay, anyway. Uh, so you can see both of those videos had enormous net gains of subscribers. So it's not like it's not like they they made the community super mad. They just had a ton of interaction or like people were checking specifically on that button because they're checking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just want to jump back to the the Microsoft acquiring nuance thing. Uh, it was pointed yeah. out that Dragon Naturally Speaking is one of their products. <clears throat> and someone in Floatplane chat actually mentioned um, that in healthcare IT, they often use nuance Dragon Dictation, which is, I'm assuming, the newer or maybe corporate focused one, uh, because doctors can't type when they're doing stuff. So it's easier to talk into a mic to actively take notes. Wow. To totally makes sense. All right. And they can Just afford to pay for expensive voice to text software, I guess. Especially with American hospital bills. Yeah. But they don't have 
a phone to do that with. That would be that would be too difficult. Okay. Hey, that's good to know. Well, it's probably it's probably better. And especially if they have this enormous market share in the medical space, they probably tune it to actually recognize medical terms and stuff like that. Wouldn't be so, surprised. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. All right. <laughs> Someone else says Dragon is used by AHS Alberta Health Services. I'm right. assuming that sounds true. Um, but my wife says it's pretty garbage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who uh, knows? Zet487 says, I unsubscribed once because I got tired of the clickbait titles after he said that he wasn't going to do them. But here I am again. Yeah. Sorry. Dragon. I don't make the rules. Dragon processes locally, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe so. That's probably why. Oh, yeah, that's probably why it sucks. And that's probably why they have to use it. Yep, that Both makes reasons. sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I could I could address why we title things the way we do again, but honestly, the answers just keep not changing. We're making it part of, I think it's going to be a monthly task for the writers to go back to their previous videos and make sure they're adding the descriptive titles to the end, like we said we were going to because we got lazy about it for a while. But I... I just I'm not I'm not going to promise that we're going to change the way that we title videos. I'm sorry. I wish it didn't work, but it does. <sighs> and I think that's people, Oh, go ahead. People are asking for an OnlyFans update. Uh the OnlyFans update is going to come in <laughs> um <laughs> do 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 <laughs> on Monday on Floatplane and Tuesday on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. So it'll it'll be there. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but we we will be addressing um, what we're doing with the OnlyFans, and we will be addressing what we're doing with Lewis Rossman's Right to Repair uh, push right now. At the same time, how those okay. things are related, man. That's bringing up hard details. Clearly a complicated story. <laughs> Clear, clearly, clearly, <laughs> uh, you had to be there moment. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. I've got a few super chats to go through real quick for you guys. Uh, Rower Tech asks, hey, how's everything going over at Floatplane? Any plans for some behind the scenes? Luke is supposed to have a blog, but he doesn't post to it. Don't like it. <laughs> how's it going? Oh, it's going okay. Yeah, Floatplane's all right. There's a new front page. Check it out. It's all cool. Looks uh, maybe a little bit uh, more standard than our previous one, but I think it's cleaner. Uh, we might be changing some of the text. The images might get updated. We might replace Linus pointing hands with like a video or something like that. But this is this is generally the the new design direction that it's going to have. Uh, you can find it by going to flowplane.com/discover. Uh, if you're logged in, you won't automatically go to that page just in case you're wondering. Um, and this is kind of ushering in uh, Jaden, one of the guys on the team, has been doing a ton of work on the front end. Uh, doing stuff that is maybe not super noticeable to users yet, uh, but there will be a bit of a visual revamp to like the website as a whole, and this front page is the beginning. So, more to come. Um, <clears throat> Chapsticks asks, when will we need to see the next Scrapyard Wars? I don't know how we would ever do a Scrapyard Wars again, honestly. At this point, literally everyone at Linus Media Group is too famous to, or maybe not famous, but at least recognizable within the tech community to possibly go incognito for long enough and authentically enough to shoot Scrapyard Wars. It's just, the used market is also garbage right now. 
yeah, that doesn't help. Like, I, I don't think it would be, it's just, oh, okay, your graphics card is really annoying to purchase and absurdly expensive. <clears throat> cool, cool season, bro. Some, someone pointed out that there was a Scrapyard Wars season from like years ago where we bought, I don't remember which one of us it was, but one of us bought a graphics card that currently on Craigslist is going for like almost twice the price. And I was just like, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That and I'm sucks. starting to lose hope that there's going to be a big crypto crash anytime soon because the news for the crypto enthusiasts is definitely one good thing after another, whether it's the Coinbase IPO or buying Teslas in crypto or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, Nathan asks, have you ever considered doing a channel that could be a lot more in-depth and feature instructable videos called Linus Tech School or something? Yeah, we've considered it. The problem is that that kind of content is so specific and so specifically addresses the exact users who have that exact problem that it's really hard to achieve any kind of scale. And for our business, for something to make a dent and even be worth spending our time and devoting our attention to it, it has to have some kind of potential for scalability. And so that I think is the kind of thing that we're just gonna leave to the people who A, aren't chasing that kind of scale, don't have 50 employees and don't need every video to get a million views or whatever, and B, are more enthused about what they're doing. Like, honestly, we don't have anyone who's that dialed into game console repair, for example. There's a game console repair channel that I just love. It's just like hypnotic to watch. Um, this guy- You just... do, but he's massively overworked. Sorry, what's that? You, you have a person who's into game console repair, Anthony. He's into it, but he's not into it like that guy. Like, it's oh, okay. different. Like, he lives and breathes it. He's, like, buying 20 Switches at a time and, like, going through and diagnosing them one after the other after the other. It has all this specialized equipment for, like, desoldering and resoldering and, like, knows everything about them. Like, Anthony's super into it, but he, like, has other stuff to do. And so just leaving those spaces to the people who are really passionate about it and have the time for it makes way more sense to me. One thing I want to address is there's been a ton of float plane comments uh, as people are checking out the front page and saying uh, dark mode, please, or dark mode soon, question mark. Technically, the front page has dark mode. And the new designs for the website all have dark mode versions. Nice. Just so you know. Nice. Yeah. All right, what else we got here? Staple says, Linus, you always talk about how you don't need super chats. Why not put your money where your mouth is and donate them to Lewis's Right to Repair Fund? We are definitely going to do something to help support Lewis, so stay tuned. But super chats go straight into Linus Media Group's coffers, whether I personally need them or not, and help pay for things like our facility and equipment and staff and all the things that we need as a company. Nathan, thanks, Nathan. Nathan says, Steve. I really don't know the context for that, but yo, you know, Steve. So that's happened a few times recently. I think it's. I think he's. I think he's coming from Gamers Nexus. All right, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Jacob yeah. says could do like the GME WAN show where he puts the donations to uh, Right to Repair. Yes, we could, guys. There's a plan. Okay, I'm gonna keep. keep I'm gonna move on. Wade says made a bunch of money on Doge today. Here's something to give back to the people who revitalized my interest in computer hardware and PC gaming. By the way, have you guys ever looked into a gaming channel? Gaming, the gaming space is so crowded, yeah. man. We got yeah, Channel Superfund was almost gaming, except you guys decided it wouldn't be. Luke no, wanted it to be it. gaming. You no, vetoed no, it. The, you no, vetoed it. the vote won for toys. 
Oh, did it? I thought you it did. It. No, I didn't veto it. We made it. Okay. We each got to make a pilot. We uploaded a video yeah. to LTT where I did my version of what I wanted Channel Superfund to be. You did your version, and we let people vote. The people decided it was toys and it wasn't gaming, was and I'm glad toys. because yeah. <laughs> gaming is really oh, it's like hyper competitive, man. Like on the one hand, you see these so much more work. Too. You see these top. 0.1% influencers in the gaming space. You, know, you got your Dr. Disrespects and Pokemains of the world. And you go like, yeah, like gaming's where it's at. It's awesome. It's like easy money or whatever. It is not. It's not. Even compared to YouTubers, for every hyper successful Twitch streamer out there, there are so many that no one is watching. Literally no one is watching. Something that's a really, really important metric too is like if you look into the amount of work it took and like sure linus is more and always has been more efficient at making videos than me but if you look at the amount of work that when it, even if linus is making both both videos or if i was making both videos the amount of work that went into the game review video versus the amount of work that went into like order gun make funny with gun <laughs> release video like channel super fun the the concept especially back then just made way more sense videos were faster produced yeah. they were probably more entertaining they were more interesting profitable that's that's the more profitable yeah, just a minor it's a, thing. Much, it's a much better idea like trying to get into especially the idea at that time was game reviews trying to get into game reviews is murder yeah um, it's just yeah uh doug says got my ltt desk pad in the first go round. has been one of the best products i ever purchased keep up the good work yeah if you guys are into getting a desk pad i don't want to be like act now or there might not be any available but it did take us Three and a half months to restock because worldwide logistics is a freaking nightmare in case you guys may or may not have noticed. We made literally the maximum amount that the factory could make. And we have already moved through a fifth of it. And we relaunched them like four hours ago. So you guys should, I think it's going to slow down to be clear. I don't think it's actually going to move in 20 hours. It's going to slow down a lot. But if you guys want one, LTTstore.com, especially if you want a particular size. Remember, we could have stock in three weeks, but the size you want might be gone in a couple days. We don't know what exactly people are going to order. And we were supposed to do a bunch of analysis on the first order and figure out like, okay, based on the sales ratio, blah, 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 we need to create these new sizes and we need to discontinue these sizes and we need to order more of this and less of this. But it all went so fast. We basically just ordered everything we possibly could and then figured, okay, we'll look at it next time. But now it's moving with such velocity again that I, 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 just, I think we're just going to kind of have to just knee-jerk reaction order more again. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Tail says, recently built a PC, but due to shortages, got stuck with a 1660. Do you know a good, reliable way to get a 3060 or 3070? There will be more verified actual gamer drops. Make sure you're watching the videos right when the notification comes out to give yourself a chance to verify yourself as an actual gamer. Uh, Rybeg says, can't subscribe and pay for 4K float plane. Get a generic error. Any ideas? Hashtag right to repair. Sorry, what? You get a what? A generic error says Rybags over on YouTube. Uh, uh, hit up support at fullpin.com. Yep. Atesh says, more machining videos, please. AVE collab when? I actually tried to figure, I tried to reach out to AVE, could not get in touch with them. 
apparently he complained that like his PC sucked or something. And people were like, hey, AVE, it's like your Canadian bro. You need to get him a PC. And I was like, okay. No contact email, no Twitter contact, no nothing. I, I was like, all right, I did my due diligence at this point. There's nothing I can do about it. I'd, I'd love to collab. That'd be fun. Uh, Hector says, can I give some feedback on the LTD store? I don't like the more recent designs. I think the controller, keyboard, and pins are too direct. I don't think the pins is that direct. It's like, it's like pins. Um, but I like the more abstract ones better. So part of the reason we haven't been able to do more designs is that we can't get enough shirts. So launching new t-shirt designs is something that we've only really done, if, you hadn't, if you've noticed, uh, with like um, more limited run products like the controller one because we can't get enough. We're still working on our own garments, but it has been extremely frustrating. So Steve says, oh, I never finished answering that question. Gaming content, right? So we tried to do an actual games channel. That's probably never gonna happen. But what's not impossible, Steve said, hey, what about another podcast? I love the Carpool Critics podcast. A gaming podcast is not impossible. That's something that I could absolutely see having kind of a rotating roster of LMG peeps who love games, love gaming. Uh, maybe we could even get Luke on there once in a while just to talk about like, what are you playing this week? Just kind of have some fun segments and um, maybe if people like it, then we'll you know do more of them. Uh, we are working on a better podcast set that's gonna be set up so that it facilitates quick changes of branding. So we'll have like carpool critics wall stuff and like a color scheme and it'll just go plonk, 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 switch and it's carpool critics and then we'll go plunk 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 switch and now it's wan show and then that'll be that would make it easier for us to add more podcasts it's also off yeah. in a corner of the warehouse where it wouldn't disturb other things being filmed and that's been a real limiting factor for the poor carpool critics who have had to shoot in that stupid uh call room up until now <laughs> um mr hayden jr says are gamers in the verified actual gamer program limited to only one gpu purchase if not i feel they should they're absolutely limited to one GPU purchase. In fact, we, we, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say we had one person who did manage to get through twice and we called them and explained that I'm sorry. It, we believe you. It's for your girlfriend, but we ain't doing it. Yeah. And they, they were actually, they were very cool about they were super it. Chill. Very clear. Yep. They totally understood. They, 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 yeah, they were, they were totally chill. It, there is someone who got a CPU and a GPU. We deemed those were yes. obviously very different things. Yeah. So that was okay. Uh, but we have not allowed same, same line of products, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert, uh, what's your preferred method for fans who want to send you long messages? Um, at the scale I'm at, man, I don't want to be that guy, but I prefer they don't. <laughs> if, if there's like a support problem or something, I'd love for you to reach out to Floatplane support or LTT store support. If you have a question about your computer, hey, we built a whole forum so that you can engage with a super active, vibrant community of other tech enthusiasts. I just, I just can't. I'm sorry. Uh, Andy says, what are the cleaning instructions for the desk pad? There aren't formally any, but if it's not very dirty, you can take a damp cloth and wipe it down. And if it's really dirty, um, I have personally washed it in my washing machine on cold with a normal amount and kind of detergent. Uh, the worst case scenario is it'll fade a little bit. It shouldn't damage it in any meaningful way. Do not tumble dry. So wash it cold, take it out, hang it to dry, and you should be good to go. Just make sure you don't hang it to dry in a way that it's going to curl up and fold funny. So you would want to have the graphic side up if you were to hang it over something. 
All right, well, I think that's pretty much it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into The WAN Show. This was a really long show. Holy crap, Very we were long. live for over an hour and a half, but... Um, Sorry, Luke. Uh, <laughs> okay. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Oh, this is great feedback. I'm, I'm going to let uh, Jonathan know. Arjun says, watch the MAC address video. Really good work. Amazing. I think he did an outstanding job as well. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. I looked it up because I was confused. Because yeah. I remember some form of veto with the channel <laughs> voting thing. So I found the original thread. The poll was gone. So I read through some of the comments. I guess you in, you included a, and I've done this a million times and you've done this a million times. You included an option for people to vote on that was just kind of like- Like potato or something? And then everyone voted for it. No, it was, it was mixed. It was like, do both on the channel. And then you were like, <laughs> well, that, that's kind of dumb. And then just, picked toys which makes sense <laughs> i completely like I forgot about that i once i read people talking about that i was like oh yeah that was not a good idea <laughs> all right <laughs> that I'm was the right call. all right